Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and this is Jason Wheeland. Hello Here there. Again. Yes. We're picking up part two of our conversation we started last week on how to love God with all your heart. Yeah. Uh, Jason, you remember a highlight from that conversation? Uh, my big highlight, my big takeaway was you talking about rats. That was a big one. So that if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you got to go back and listen or watch last week's episode. The love of rats. The love of rats. That did come up. Don't ask how. Just go back and watch it yourself. Yeah. Today's going to be a continuation of that conversation. So if you missed that one, you really want to make sure you go back and watch it before you pick up today, because today is the continuation of that. Don't miss that. Uh, So last week, we talked a little bit about uh, love. We talked about the four Greek words for love in the New Testament. We talked about the heart. What is the heart? So what is love? What is the heart? And then what does it mean to love God with all my heart? That was our discussion. And if you're wondering why there's this big empty space between us and another microphone, you will see our good friend and fellow pastor, Chris Goulard, who will magically appear in just a moment. Stay with us. And here he is, Chris Goulart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really great. This is some of the first magic we've done on the show. It's our first time doing feel special this that, kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll put a sound effect in there, like, ring, and then you appear. Uh, Chris, tell us a little bit about who you are, your role here at Saddleback, so we can understand you. Okay. I, uh, well, my wife Jen and I moved out here about 20 years ago, as a matter of fact, and just started attending Saddleback. And... Um, uh, like a lot of people sort of gotten involved with the church, got involved with a small group, started mm-hmm. figuring out how to serve. And, um, as a guy that was in the financial services industry, uh, a lot of people were saying, Hey, why don't you figure out how to help people with financial stuff? And mm-hmm. so I actually started, uh, what we now look at as our financial ministries as a volunteer and did that for a number of years. And then eventually came on staff about 13 years ago. Huh. So Saddleback has been a real fun journey for me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, Coming on staff to, in order to really lead the financial ministries has been just an incredible journey, and now I get to help other churches do it and stuff like that, too, so it's fun. Yeah. Could you say a little bit about just your own personal stewardship journey? I mean, yeah. uh, I've heard a little bit of it before because you teach in Class 201 and because we know each other kind of personally, but um, can you just share kind of what the story arc has been for you? Yeah. Uh, um, without getting too long with it, I mean, to me, this story um, – started ultimately as I really at Saddleback, um, when I really got challenged, even with the concept of tithing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was always told that Christians should be generous and we should give and stuff like that, but nobody had ever even taught me about the concept of tithing. Yeah. Uh, and then that's one of the disadvantages I think of not growing up in a, you know, like a Christian household that right. way, that kind of thing. Um, and so I really dug into scriptures. In fact, it goes back to my first taking 201 about 20 years ago. And, mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Holiday, who was teaching that section at the time, and I just was like, "Wow, this is this is really crazy. I've never heard this before," and started digging into the scriptures myself. And that that kind of led me mm-hmm. onto the journey of, "All right, w- what does the scripture really say? What does that mean? And what does it mean to me?" Mm-hmm. And so, uh, as I began to really dig into that um, and recognize that, okay, this concept of tithing is biblical. It's really what the word says. <laughs> yeah, I can't talk <laughs> myself out of it. <laughs> it was kind of like, okay, my excuses are really getting thin here. Yeah. Um, so I started tithing and to me, that was just a step in the journey. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the things that, that, uh, a lot of people like to say is that, you know, tithing is not the finish line, it's the starting line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's kind of what it was because it sort of challenged me. And I I think it really became a step of obedience of, you know, we accept Christ at some point and then we figure out how to turn over different aspects of our lives to him over time, Uh, whether that's your marriage and your, you know, your, your parenting and your career and all these other things. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, money was 
one of those things later in the journey, I guess. And I guess that's pretty typical as well. Yeah. Um, but tithing was a big step in learning how to do that. Um, and then once I got that, it was like, okay, how do I help others to really understand that they are a steward and how to manage things better? Like, yeah. how do you really become a better steward? Yeah. So that's maybe just one point in the journey, but yeah. it was a very it's, significant one for me. You touched on something really important. You said uh, that you gradually surrender different parts of your life over to him. And you talked about how tithing is not the finish line. Can you just like, while we're in the early part of the conversation, what do you, what's the high level? Like if you, if you boil it down, what is the finish line in your mind? Mm. Oh, that's Ooh. great. Ooh, that's a big question. Um, and it's a good question. Um, t- to me, Stewardship is part of the discipleship journey like any other part of discipleship. And what I would say is that I think most Christians start out um, with the mindset that's more like the world's, and that is, Mm. I own it, it's mine, I've earned it, Mm. and I can basically determine what happens with it. So in other words, um, I'm just an owner, it's my stuff. And so I think from there we go to what I would call sort of an obligated owner, which is then more like... um, Hey, I own it. It's my stuff. But yeah, I probably ought to give some back. I probably yeah. ought to share some with others. You know, the Bible talks about taking care of other folks and yeah. being generous. So yeah, I probably ought to do some of that. And then, um, so there's the idea that I ought to, um, I ought to do something with some of that. Um, and, and then I think it goes to more of a question of an obedient owner. An mm-hmm. obedient owner is more like somebody, who, which is where I was when I first learned how to tithe. And it was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm tithing. It's a great step in obedience. Mm-hmm. But I'm doing it really out of obedience, and it's mm. more like a sense of, okay, God has 10%. I have the 90. The 90 is still mine, but yeah. I'm going to give him his 10. I'm going to be obedient with that. Yeah. You know, I'm checking my box. And I think in the church a lot of the time, we look at that as the finish line rather than like yeah. an earlier point because we pat people on the back when they're tithing, and we say, hey, look at you're doing. This is great. Mm. Um, and it is great. It is a great step, but it is by no means the end of the journey. To me, mm. from from that stage to really what I would call a, um, you know, kind of a love-inspired steward who really recognizes that everything that I have comes from God and belongs to God. My job is to steward that. Yeah. And whether that means God's calling me to give 10% or whether he's calling me to give 90%, mm. whatever that is, I'm doing it based on what he's asking me to do, like I'm seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness and his direction. And I'm going to do what he asked me to do, regardless of what that percentage is. It's not about the math. It's really about following the direction of the master. Yeah. And that to me becomes, okay, now I I recognize it's his, it's not mine. And I'm going to do what he wants me to do because ultimately he's my boss. Right. That's good. I love that phrase. I love inspired steward. I think that's, I, I think that's really Helpful for everybody who's listening, who, who, you know, who, who was here with us last week and gets into that conversation of heart. It's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. love inspired steward. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense and speaks to, a, I, I, in my opinion, speaks to me. Um, I just love that uh, concept. Uh, now, I'm curious, as your role with, as pastor of stewardship, um, you do the um, uh, financial ministries and stuff like that, but you mm-hmm. also oversee the Peace Center. Yeah. So how does that play into stewardship and this concept of loving God with all your heart? Oh, great. Do? Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of times um, people kind of go, hey, these are two totally different things, but there is a, a significant connection hmm. um, because stewardship isn't just about money. It's yeah. really about our whole lives. And you guys talked about that last week yeah. um, <clears throat> because one of the things that I get to 
get a front row seat. My office is actually right in the food pantry. Yeah. So I get to see. Yeah. You have a window to the food pantry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally people are stocking shelves this morning yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It was super cool. Um, and so I just see that going on outside my office all the time. But to me, it's a constant reminder that we have very generous people in our church who give their time, um, who give their energy, who yeah. give their, their love, their, you know, their emotions, um, and are very generous lives they, they live generous lives beyond just the financial stuff yeah um and i think the financial is uh, a very important thing jesus talked more about money than than really almost sure. any other topic hmm. so we can't leave that off the table but what i find is sometimes people find it easier to be generous with one thing than another hmm. so there's some people that feel like hey i'm happy to i'm happy to give money but i just don't have time i'm really busy yeah and then there's other people who are like hey i, I don't have a lot of money but i can give time and yeah. the truth is we're supposed to be generous with both. It's not one or the other. And, and so one of the things that Pastor Rick says, whichever ones you're challenged with, like whichever one is, comes harder for you is the one you really need to work on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's usually indicator of uh, something going on in the heart. Yeah. And so last week when you guys talked about Matthew 6.21, you know, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Um, I really think we start with the head. So you ch- kind of choose to invest your treasure, whether that's time, talents, or physical money, or, mm. or whatever it might be. You choose to invest it, and naturally your heart is going to engage more after that. And so with the Peace Center, I just see people growing that all the time. And the fruit is amazing with people you know, accepting Christ. Yeah, um, that's great. And really just the church being what it's called to be in the community. So it's just a fun – I mean, just to me, it's a fun thing. Um, and, and I – I love that heart in our church. You know, totally. that I get to kind of cheer on our it's team so cool. who's out there doing yeah. what really what God yeah. asked us to do. Yeah. So that's awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, some of the root causes here, because you talked about how it can be tough for some people to give. It, it really is tough for all of us to give at some level or another. Um, can you talk about like what, in your experience, is the root cause in the human heart that that prevents us from being generous givers? I love your use of the word generosity. I know you guys use it a lot because you, you talk about generosity as a lifestyle that transcends money, kind of goes into every area. Last week we talked about agape, this this like transcendent love of God, and how it's really defined by giving. In fact, I've even heard you say in class two hundred one that you know, for God loved the world so much that He gave, right. and so those two loves are like inextricable. You, you can't separate those two. But can you talk about like? What do you think? Like, if you look back to the fall and you think of like the nature of human beings, what is it at the root that makes it so tough for us to relinquish control of mm. our stuff, our resources, everything that we have at our disposal? Well, first of all, let me just say I don't think it's any different than other parts of our lives. Um, mm. I think the money becomes very visible, and it's it's easy to measure because money is it's, it's countable. It's yeah, like it's, yeah. It's, you <laughs> it's know, inherently it's in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's easy math, yeah. and so it's easy to, to kind of judge that. Mm. Um, really smart on Jesus's part, don't you think? Like to go yeah. for something that's so <laughs> easily quantifiable right into something yeah. that is like very obvious and visible. Yeah. Um, so that said, um, I do think it's mostly the heart issue and, and about that. So the question is really, what's the condition of the heart that that leads us to struggle with that? And mm-hmm. it's something we all struggle with. I mean, I struggle with it too. Yeah. Um, I think it can be a number of different things. It could be pride. It could be control. It could mm-hmm. be um, insecurity. And I think what's interesting is having worked for so many years now with, I mean, literally thousands and thousands of people um, and helping them to try and break free financially, to become more generous, to even just get control of their financial lives and, and kind of manage things the way God would have them do that um, mm. and watching them struggle with that. The greatest barrier for most people in managing their finances actually is emotions. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't understand the scripture, although that's a very important thing. We want to teach them that. It's not that they don't understand how to do a budget 
I mean, really, you know, budgeting is what, like second or third grade math? Yeah. It's not like rocket Plus science. Plus and minus. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's very simple stuff. Yeah. You don't even have to do long division. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <clears throat> but managing that as a life discipline for many people is very, very difficult. Um, mm. And a lot of that, I think, comes from, you know, family of origin issues with um, we are taught things as kids. Sometimes yeah. we don't even know that we're taught them, that we learn. And so it can be an identity issue where mm. I'm trying mm -hmm. to, some people spend money because I got to have the fancy car. I got to have the fancy clothes, handbags, shoes, totally. yeah. latest iPhone, whatever it is, because I've got to look cool. It's like an identity thing. Mm -hmm. So I've got to prove my worth to the people around me rather than my worth being tied up in Jesus. In other words, if my identity is not truly in Christ, but I'm trying to impress the Joneses next door, hmm. then that's going to cause me to spend money in ways that are really just not super healthy. Yeah. So that's a big one. Um, another one is what is somebody that struggles for security and they just feel like I only feel okay if I have this much money in the bank. Like yeah. in other words, I'm not really trusting in God for yeah. my security. Yeah. It's now I'm trusting in money for, for my security. And, um, yeah. uh, there's actually a number of passages you can point to, but, um, you know, there's one place where, um, Paul writing to the Corinthians basically says, don't put your hope in money, which is so fickle, but put your hope mm. in God. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think what he's mm. saying is, you know, money can come and go. God is the one thing you can truly trust that is unchanging. And yeah, so, I great. mean, for us, it's like, where's our security? So, um, and I, I think I could kind of keep going on in the list, but ultimately yeah. it's sort of heart issues that are underneath that uh, when I get caught up in the culture and what the culture is driving us to do, because the culture is taking us one direction and scripture takes us another. Yeah. Jesus was so countercultural in so many aspects and money was no exception. Um, yeah. Can I, just real quick, you, you, you touched on something that you and I actually talked about a while back and, um, and it, this kind of like the two economies thing that kind of goes on where we have a worldly economy, which is based on scarcity like this idea that like mm. there are there are finite resources here and I have to get my piece of it in order to eke out my living, okay. which yeah. is a very which is almost the definition of the curse if you go back to Genesis chapter three right yeah, I mean, it's well. it's like it's almost that epitomized and then there's God's economy which is based upon infinitude like based on God's infinite resources and so like there's a real cultural problem there because we live day to day with an almost Dar Darwinian mindset, scarcity of resources. I got to do my best to like fight out and get my peace. And then there's the biblical worldview, which says God has infinite resources at his disposal, at his disposal, and he loves me. Therefore, I don't have to worry. So there's like a, there's a huge difference in the paradigm of the world and the paradigm that Jesus taught and yeah. is taught throughout the Bible. Um, so you were just about to touch on a cultural thing, but I, I wanted to, to point that out because I thought, uh, I just think that's a a really clear distinction between the way we tend to live our lives naturally according to our our old nature and then the 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 life of stewardship and the life of unrestrained love for God that we're called into by Christ. Mm. Can you talk mm. about that a little bit? You were about to, I just interrupted. Yeah, no, no, that's actually a great segue. <laughs> it, it it really gets to the to the ultimate heart mindset. And you talked at, you know, the kind of the scarcity mentality versus what I would call an abundance mentality. Yeah. If we if we really recognize or believe that we are stewards, that it's not mine, that that God owns it all. Um, you know, when you say, okay, look at the flowers in the field, look at the birds in the air, God takes care of them. God's gonna take yeah. care of me. And when I get to that point where I truly trust God, when I when I know that he cares for me, that he is never going to abandon me, that he's never going to allow me to starve. He's never going to, you know, put me in a position that I can't handle. When I come to that place of trust in him, and it is a faith issue. Yeah. 
Um, and oftentimes it's learning to, I mean, your faith grows by being tested, right? Yeah. James 1, it's a testing your faith develops a perseverance. So as I learn to trust him, and I, that, I actually think that's one of the reasons that tithing is so important because it, it forces you to step out and do something that's a little bit counter, well, way countercultural. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and it doesn't um, make mathematical sense. In other words, why is it that 100% doesn't go as far as 90%? Yeah. It doesn't mm. make sense. Right. And yet when you really trust God and you go, okay, Lord, I'm giving, I'm returning the 10% to you and I'm going to live on the 90 that when we do that and trust him, we do have an abundance. Mm. Um, so it, it's a countercultural thing. Um, and that mentality of instead of my stuff and okay, I'm going to give a little bit away or something like that, but rather, Hey, it's not mine anyway, it's God's. And as the creator of the universe that has infinite resources, he can take care of yeah. me without even. What if I get to worry? Like, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing to worry about. And that mind shift is massive. Yeah. Um, because it really affects every aspect of your life, oh, how yeah. you live your life. Um, yeah. It's easier said than done. I mean, it's easy to look at the Bible and be like, well, yeah, Jesus is trustworthy and he's telling us these things. So just do it. But then you, right. you <laughs> yeah. splat against the reality you of your out, day to day yeah. life. And yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, this is like a, it's not like you can just have one eureka moment and then. Your, your whole stewardship mindset has changed forever and the condition of your heart changes. It's like a, you have to, you almost have to overcome that battle each and every day. Yeah. But it's then it does get easier with time. I mean, you do your your faith, uh, you talk about this uh, in 201 as well, this idea that as you trust God and you kind of put yourself out there and, and really place yourself at God's, upon God's grace or God's mercy toward us, and then he comes through, well, that makes it a little easier to trust him the next time for something a little bit bigger. And right. so your faith compounds over time in, in a really cool way. Yeah. But that's like a, that's a, that's a long way down the journey. Like it, it's tough well, to sometimes get journey. over those initial and, and hurdles. I, I, honestly, I don't think we ever get there. I mean, I, yeah. I, I look at, there are some giants of the faith where you look at and you go, wow, I wish I could be like that. Yeah. Right? They make it look easy. <laughs> and they kind of make it look easy. Yeah. You know, like Paul and this, you can kind of go down the list. Yeah. Um, and yet I know I struggle with this every day, um, and I'm teaching it, you know, and it's something that I care deeply about. Yeah. Um, and I know that I haven't arrived yet. So it's something that I know the world still pulls on me. There's still struggles that way, but you know, to me in my journey, I have to continually go, all right, Lord, this is yours. <laughs> it's not mine. And how would you have me manage it? What would you have me do with it? Um, yeah. and it's like the rich wrong you rich young ruler when he came to Jesus and, and Jesus basically, he kind of knew what his heart issue was, right? So it's not prescriptive it's for us. Almost everyone's heart issue yeah. too. <laughs> like, well, but it's, I just want to be careful because it's not prescriptive. It's not yeah. like he's yeah, telling yeah, all yeah. of us to do that. But he basically sure. said, hey, sell all your possessions, give them to the poor and then come and follow me. And the guy went away sad because he yeah. couldn't do that. He just- do that. He basically money. got sniped by Jesus like right in his <laughs> soft oh, spot. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You look at that and you go, oh man, yeah. that just hurts. <laughs> and, but like, how much am I like that? Where yeah. Jesus said, hey- give away your house. Could I do that? Because mm. cause do I really look at it, is it my house or is it his house? Because yeah. if I really believe it's his house and he tells me to give it away, not that it would be easy, but I should be able to do that. Yeah. This but, brings me to my next question. Can I have your house? <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't look like Jesus. It's the whole reason Doug brought you on the show. Oh, <laughs> I've just been building to that point. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Um, so I just, you know, it's one of those things that I think we're always on the journey and it, it gets to the heart attitude. It gets to that, you know, we talked about Matthew 6.21, and right after it, a couple verses later is Matthew 6.24, that you can't serve two masters. Yeah. And as Christians, of course, we we have money, we use money. You know, it's God's money, but it's there and it's a tool. Yeah. But really, Jesus is saying only one can have first place. Right. And if we're going to chase after what the world puts in front of us, if we're going to go 
uh, for materialism, if we're going to want more and more stuff, if that's what our focus is going to be, we, we really can't have God in the center of our life at the same time. We got to choose one or the other. Yeah. And that's a constant battle. You know, mm. to me, it's like, I keep going, okay, Jesus, I'm going to have you in the middle. I'm going to put you on the altar. Um, and and have you be the focus but the truth is the money's constantly trying to crawl on the altar and you know take, yeah. take that spot yeah you know i think you know we talked about this a little bit earlier and i just wanted to hit on it again because i think it is so important is you know as we talk about stewardship and all this stuff it's not just stuff it's not just money you know it, it's not just saying like sell your possession you know it's that kind of thing it's the heart issue which can speak to more than just money and riches and stuff like that mm. you know especially something like time i think is a huge one mm. and like so it, you know it's it's being able to be interruptible i think mm, that's good is a big one as we talk about stewardship because so many of us i know i'm guilty of this constantly you know have stuff that they want to do and it's like okay i here's my plan i have this schedule i want to follow it i'm working on this or whatever but being a steward and loving mm. god with all your heart could mean stopping for the conversation with somebody who's hurting and stuff like that. I think that is so would you touch on that a little bit more too, especially yeah. as it comes to the peace center? Cause I know f almost firsthand because my wife worked at the peace center right. that that's a, a big deal over there too. Yeah, it is. And it's the same thing, just a different mode, um, different <laughs> medium, value, yeah. Yeah. valuable, I guess you could say. Um, cause I think we intrinsically know money has value and, and people recognize time is very valuable. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and if I only have so much time, you know, we all, we all have 24 hours in a day. Right. Um, and how I manage that is really significant and important, but I can become stingy with my time too. Yeah. And if, if generosity is an attitude of the heart, it very much applies to money, but it also applies to our time. And I, th I think it applies to our energy. It applies, to, you know, there's so many things like if somebody's really generous with their time, they treat people differently. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean you're careless with your time. Right. I mean, just like if you're generous with your money, that doesn't mean you don't care about it. It doesn't yeah. mean you're not careful with it. Yeah. Um, quite the opposite, because in order to be generous, you have to manage it well. So to be generous with your time and be strategic with your time, but also, as you said, to be interruptible. In, mm. in other words, if God owns my day, if yeah. God owns my 24 hours and he puts somebody in front of me that needs help and I've got this plan, but I've got my day mapped out minute by minute by minute and I'm not willing to, to flex, then then I'm not really following the master. I'm, I'm making myself the master. Totally. So it's the same thing. I mean, it's a great analogy. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think that could be true in our emotions. You know, in our kids, it's not just time, but, our, our, it, you know, there's, there's quantity time and quality time, that old adage. Um, and I don't think you can really truly have one without the other. But mm. um, I remember when my kids were little and um, – I, I have to say as a dad, I was not as interruptible as I would like to mm. like to have been. Sure. And that's one mm. of the things, if I could go back and kind of redo things, I would love to be more interruptible for my kids. Mm. Um, and just Doug, be, you're listening? Um, yeah. That's a good word. <laughs> good word. Um, I get a three-year-old who's just of, like right yeah. there. <laughs> and you take and, as much time as you But they give. absorb stuff and you go, yeah. and I've got my, my, I got two teenage boys and they're awesome. They're awesome kids. Um, but to go back and be like, wow, if not just time, but to like meet their emotional needs in a different way. And I think as I've grown personally in that, in that mm. time as well, mm. that's just something that I wish I had been more generous with my emotions with the boys. Cause I think to raise, to raise emotionally mature men, um, you can't do that if you're emotionally immature and you can't do that mm. if you're emotionally stingy as well. And so 
it just it's just one of those things where I kind of look back and go, wow, that I wish I'd like could have could have a do over on that one, you know. Yeah, yeah, leading by example too, I think is a big thing. As we talk yeah. about a doable discipleship, you know, name of the podcast or whatever. It's you know, it's living it out, and and that other people can see that, you know, and emulate. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing as we talk about. Now, as I said, name of the podcast, doable discipleship. So we want to get into some practical, mm-hmm. nitty gritty stuff. Uh, because I think the people at home or in the car are going like, oh, this is all great. How can I start on this journey? You know, what's the first few steps I can take? So um, do you have some a crawl, walk, run type steps that you, you could bet. give us and stuff like that? That'd be awesome. Yeah, Sweet. there's, and I'll start with a few because I think um, for most people, if they hear a run step, they're just never going to get there. It's going to totally. be intimidating. <laughs> so let me start with a few crawls um, that I think actually are easy to do, but they're easier said than done still. Yeah. Um, one of which is literally every day, wake up and go, you know, it's, Lord, what would you have me do with my time, my energy, and my money today? Hmm. And literally turn it over to him every morning. Make mm-hmm. it a daily habit. So if you, say, if, you start, if you start your day with a quiet time, make that just a little piece of it. It doesn't be the mm-hmm. whole quiet time, but yeah. it could be literally 30 seconds, 60 seconds. But part of that to say, Lord, I'm yours, but so is all my stuff, and how do you want me to manage that? And it, it's sort mm-hmm. of like... Again, coming back to that, seek ye first his kingdom, his righteousness. Yeah. And if I go, okay, Lord, what would you have me do with it? Then I'm going to be kind of opening myself up every day for God to come in and speak to me. And mm-hmm. I think at the same time, like you're starting your day by actually living it out. You are giving that chunk of your time mm-hmm. to God. So you're already, yeah. you know, starting the strong. moment it took you to pray that prayer sure. is a moment it, you surrendered to yeah, him and gave absolutely. him control of. Yeah, So great. I think that's just a, like a really easy, simple thing. Again, sounds easy, but the truth is the habit of doing <laughs> yeah. that sometimes, you know, you that's not build an easy the habit. thing necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I would say still cross that easy thing to do. Um, so th- I think that's one thing, just making it real simple. When you come down to the finances, um, any one of our financial classes could really help you along that journey. And there's some really basic things. Um, one is just really starting to get a basic hold of your finances. So tracking where everything goes, yeah. Yeah. developing a spending plan. Stop bleeding. <laughs> well, if you don't know where your money's going, yeah. you're never going to have a manageable plan. Yeah. You know, I don't like the B word budget because most people, when they think of budget, they kind of think of like adding things up at the end of the month, which technically that's not what a budget is. A budget mm. really should be at the beginning Start of the month, them. planning it so you <laughs> yeah. know where it's going to go before the month happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, but developing a spending plan, I think, is really a significant thing. Uh, um, there's lots of tools. If you go to saddleback.com slash personal finances, we have classes, we have stuff on, on, like videos on the website. There's things you can do that, that I think would give you some easy tools to do that hmm. and starting to get a hold of that. We've got individual classes, at least uh, at many of the campuses, but especially here at Lake Forest, we've got uh, financial coaching, stuff like that. So there's a, just a kind of a few basic things if you need help. Yeah. Um, isn't it isn't it true too? I mean, getting a hold of your finances actually enables you to be more generous in the future as well. I mean, absolutely. Like if you, a lot of people would say, like I talked to a guy after 201 this past month, and he was like, he's like, I want to do this. I want to start tithing, but I just like I work paycheck to paycheck, and a lot of what I do is commission based. So it's like I don't mm-hmm. always know exactly what I'm going to get, and when I do get it, it gets taxed like crazy. So we had the whole net or gross conversation, that whole thing. Um, but I think there are a lot of people who would say, "I would love to do this. I want to. I would like to be obedient in this way, but I just don't have the money there." And I think mm. probably. Well, I'll let you answer. This. Probably two answers to the question. One would be, um, you know, we're we're commanded to rise to this level of obedience that we're called to trust God with our money, and that sometimes uh, it can feel like that's impossible at the start. Um, but then there's the 
the other side of that, which is if, if you get a hold of your finances and you really kind of get on top of things, like I, I mentioned a second ago, stopping the bleeding, because I know when Joyce and I started budgeting for the first time, we really got serious about it. It felt like we were plugging all these holes that we didn't know were there. Because uh, like I think Dave Ramsey says, managed money has more muscle. And if you don't, if, you, if you're not on top of where your money's going, the lights just happened to us again. Yes, it did. <laughs> if you don't know where your money's going, it's hard to it's hard to leverage it for your goals. And one of your goals may be, I want to give more generously to what God is doing on earth. I want to give to people who are in need of it. I want to give to my local church, that kind of thing. And you're actually enabled to do more of that yeah. when you get a hold of things, right? So I think I, I think anybody out there who's struggling and feeling like, I, I, I feel like my finances are all over the place and I don't feel like I have the tools to like start hurting these cats and getting some order in this. Those financial workshops, I think would be huge, starting with the budgeting one. That's one of the reasons we do them. I and mean, some people yeah. are more, much more wired. You know, if you're a type A personality, it's it's going to come much more naturally to, to do those kinds of things. Sure. And if you're, if you're not a type A, if you're a type Z, you know, let's just say, <laughs> um, and you go, hey, like spreadsheets make my eyes roll up in my head, all that kind of stuff. It can still be done. It's just yeah. a question of having a system that'll work for you. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, God is a God of order, not a God of disorder. And if we have our mm-hmm. finances in a state of disorder and then we're asking him to bless it, it just doesn't really make sense if you have to step back and yeah. think about it. So you don't have to get totally uptight about it, but how do we have a system to do that? And that's why we do those classes, because we, we know that that can be a huge barrier for people. Yeah. Um, not only achieving goals and find, you know maybe a generosity goal, but but actually just literally becoming an impediment in your relationship with Christ. Yeah. And I, I, I think that money is probably the greatest barrier between people and Jesus in our culture today. And hmm. if we can help remove that barrier and turn it into actually something that's rather than a negative, rather than being a barrier, is actually a conduit. So it's a positive thing. Yeah. You know, our whole walk is just going to become a lot easier. So um, coming back to Jason, your question yeah. about crawl, walk, run kind of a thing. Um I, I think, you know, depending on involvement in financial classes, that could be a crawl, walk, whatever. Sure. Um, and I think also beginning to tithe. So that's yeah. a big deal for for most people. Uh, it's getting that, as I mentioned in my life, that was a huge step. But kind of turning over that, um, taking that step of obedience and learning how to do that is a huge spiritual step, not just a financial step, but actually a huge spiritual step that I think will help anybody's walk with Christ. And if at the very least, it will deepen your walk with 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 Jesus, and that's, that's the most important that's thing. Um, and when you get to run steps, I, I would say that there are some things you could do. One is within your spending plan, then look at um, not just the tithe, but like something that my wife and I started doing a long time ago. We call it the Holy Spirit Fund, hmm. where we build into our budget every year. At the beginning of the year, we say, okay, there's a certain percentage that we want to set aside above and beyond our tithe, hmm. and it can vary. I mean, you know, it can vary year to year kind of depending what we feel like God's calling us to do. And we may not even know where it's not like we were saying, okay, here's an extra 5% and here's what it's going to. Yeah. It could be here's 5%, but we do this intentionally because if God asks us, you know, in June, sure. God goes, Hey, this is what I want you to do. And we've already spent it all. Then it's, you know, it's not going to be there. Yeah. But if we go, okay, here, we're allocating in addition to our tithe, we're allocating something, we're going to set it aside. And then God goes, here's where I want you to give it. We've got it set aside, and it's all of a sudden like, all right, Lord, great, we can do that, and, yeah. and there's great joy in in being able to do that. Um, that's a great expression of your love for God and for others too. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a that's a that's a way of saying that I don't just care enough to react when you call me, but I actually care enough to proactively plan for this. Mm. Um, that I I care enough about you and what you're doing on Earth, talking, you know conversation with God, that I'm going to actually set something aside in advance so I can make sure I'm available for that. And then, of course, you remain open to 
God saying, yeah, but I want you to give twice <laughs> yeah, but, that instead yeah. or that kind of crazy thing. Well, but, and you expect God to use planet. you too, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, if, and that's cool. the thing. You're setting yourself up to be usable. Yeah. Right. Whether that's at the beginning of the, the, of the day, um, a woman that I used to work with that I just love this, and I challenged her with it years ago, and she just did it in such a way that was so winsome. But every morning she would wake up and say, Lord, I don't know what you're asking me to do today, but the answer is yes. That's great. And so she would just start her day by going, God, whatever you ask me to do today, the answer is yes. Yeah. So cool. And as her manager, I remember challenging her with stuff. And she'd be like, <laughs> she'd look, she'd, I'd, she'd heard I had a look in her face yeah. like, oh, I don't know. I've never done that before. That, but she'd but go, I okay, already I said God, yes. I already told God <laughs> yes, so I can't say no to you. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And, and God, I just watched God work in her life in these tremendous ways because of that attitude of the heart of just being willing to do whatever God asked her to do. So I think if we kind of set our finances up in that way that we're willing to do whatever God asks us to do, it, it could change the world. I mean, ultimately, yeah. when you say, like, what's an Acts 2 church look like or an Acts 4 church or that kind of thing, yeah, um, that's how they lived. Yeah, And I just think that that's kind of a cool picture. So, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Go read Acts 2. Do it right <laughs> away. Uh, so we talked, we talked about time some. We've talked about treasure. Um, let's, let's close with just, uh, I think, a quick conversation on somebody who – Maybe says, yeah, I try to be attentive with my time and I try to be conscious about that. And I'm already, uh, I'm, I've already been living the lifestyle of obedience in, in giving God my finances. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the person that maybe is struggling or hasn't entered into that, um, what we might call the ministry realm or the service realm, where they're saying, I'm not just going to give my money away. I'm willing to actually give my energy, my abilities, these mm-hmm. other less quantifiable resources that God has given us and that has placed at our disposal. What should that person do? I mean, you're on the 301 team, which is all about ministry here as well, mm-hmm. but what would you say to that person? Oh, boy. Because they're so out there. <laughs> oh, oh they are. There's lots of them. I, yeah. There's a friend of mine. In fact, I'm having a call with him later today. He lives on the East Coast. He's a multimillionaire, very successful business guy. Um, and, you know, I look at some of the stuff that he's done with his life, and yes, he's made some tremendous kingdom investments with his money. I mean, he's just done – he's very, very generous individual that way. Mm-hmm. But he also takes the time, and he will mentor uh, boys in his community, and he takes the time to do that. And he's a really busy guy. Mm. But when you kind of look at um, him living out his life in love, and w- like what what does that look like? What does it look like to live a, as a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Oh, yeah. um, and it's not just financial, but here's a guy that's really busy that probably has more excuses than most people about, oh, I don't have time for that or whatever. Sure. And yet I watch him and he carves out time and he has made some really significant impact on, on you can just like look at specific individuals that he has kind of mentored and chosen to invest in. Mm, that's awesome. So that's something that, you know, any business leader could do if you just take a young guy and go, hey, kind of come alongside. Let me let yeah. me just meet with you once every week or two and have a cup of coffee or something like that. And we kind of just do life with you. Yeah. Um, and he's done that with, you know, young guys in the foster system and, and that kind of stuff. And it's just amazing. That's great. Um, so it's just a kind of an example, but I, I think they could be small things, but sometimes those small things can become really big things. And then there's those who really feel called into doing something, what I'd call like a, a ministry assignment, a kingdom um, something you know, like a kingdom builder mentality of, mm. hey, God is calling me outside of maybe the professional or business world to do something significant. Mm. Um, and we've, you know, we've seen that around here with the peace plan where people mm-hmm. just kind of dig in in a way that you just go, wow, God is doing something there. And they are just yeah. on fire. And maybe they just go, God's calling me to do something tremendous in, you know, Rwanda or, you know, 
pick a yeah. pick a corner, pick a country, world, yeah. you know, and like whatever, and and God is just kind of lighting them up to do something, and you see their passion come out and all that kind of stuff, and they can bring their talents mm. um, as a business person to bear in the ministry world because, you know, as part of the body of Christ, we're all more effective when we when we use the skills mm. God's given us and the talents and. Um, when I see people that are really high capacity, highly effective leaders and deploying those skills, not just in the business world, but actually in the ministry world. And you go, that is what makes the church great is when you see that happen. So yeah. it's, anyway, yeah. I just would challenge anybody to just find a spot that you yeah. kind of feel like, hey, this would be fun to do or start with that and, and go with it. Push the boundaries of your comfort zone a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. I just want to touch on something is you said um, – a passion, like you talked about people's uh, passion being just cl- uh, clear and evident as they served, as they did these things. You know, as we wrap up this conversation on loving God with all your heart, like, hello, that's <laughs> that's pretty clear. Yeah. So, you know, what we're talking about is if you start to do these things in your life, you know, not only will you be doing something, you know, that the scripture says to do, but your love for God, your passion for his ministry will grow. Absolutely. I think that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great, great point. Yeah. Oh, man, we could go on and on, but let's yeah. not. Let's we just have you on again not. in a future episode. Yeah. <laughs> really, really glad you joined us today. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Talk. Appreciate it. All right. You watching or listening, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.